0: Looking at the gospel, last week was kind of hard hitting on what we believe we are called to as a church, and that is every time you come here, every time you go to a church, every time you're shopping for a church, uh, students as you go away to college or you end up moving away and you're looking for a church, the gospel, the story of God culminating in in the highlight of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection should be delivered to you on a regular basis. If it's not, go find another church. It is so critically important that the gospel be not a thing, part of the church, but the thing. And so we really focused on what does that mean for us as Rock Creek Church and everything that we do and everything that we say, all of our messages, all of our worship, everything is proclaiming that message. Why? Why? Because life happens. You heard Heather allude to this. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, uh, job losses, marital problems, raising kid problems, having a new job, losing the job, getting a brand new house, leaving a house, uh, lo- b- moving to a brand new area as Ashley and Joel just did, moving here from California. That Life happens. And the only anchor that we have in that is the gospel. The only anchor that we have to walk with us through all those highs and lows is the story of God. And so that's why it's so critically important for us as a church. This morning, I want to talk about what does that mean for you personally? What does it mean for you to be an agent of walking with that story in your life? The two most important days of your life, I was in Cancun uh, 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 about a month ago, I was on the treadmill and I'm looking out over the ocean and it's beautiful and I was listening to a podcast from Chuck Swindoll and, and his really, his big F emphasis was on identifying the two most important days of your life and he went on to say that the first day is the day that you're born and the second day is that you figure out why. Why were you born? Why are you on this planet? And then those two become the most two important days of your entire life. Can I have your Bible? Uh, I wrote you guys last week on your Bibles, and I forgot mine at home. <laughs> and then I meant to grab a chair Bible and forgot it. Uh, and so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I wanna, be, before we jump in fully, I want to just speak some truth over you, There's power in receiving truth, there's power in, in having truth spoken over us. Uh, the word of God we, we read is, is living and breathing and is useful for uh, a whole sort of things, um, but it gives life and, and it gives strength. And so I just want to read uh, over you 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. We are confident of all of this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think that we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written laws, but the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but the new covenant, the spirit, gives life. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. You can read about that in Exodus. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way? Now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Verse 9. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more now glorious is the new which remains forever? It's like a Dr. Seuss story. Since this new way has given us so much confidence, we can be bold We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. And they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. That's our hope, friends. That's everything. We could just sit down and start having Heather lead us in worship some more. That's truth. This morning, I want to renew our focus. Renew our focus on why are we here? Why are you here? Why do we do this thing called church? Why do we get up earlier in the morning to come pray? Why do we go to block parties? Why do we go on mission trips? I think of Manny James, who's in right now. Why do we do do those things? I wanna start with this. You may not know this, but the world is pulling for you. Not pulling for you as an advocate, as a cheerleader, but it's pulling for you. This world wants your money, it wants your vote. It wants your dedication. It wants you to follow on social media and be a part of a movement. It's pulling you. You students in the room, you go to high school, or for some of you that are in college, the world is pulling you. And it's often pulling you in a specific direction. And usually, the world isn't looking out for you. The world isn't looking out for your best interests. The world isn't caring for you. I want to ask you a question. It's hypothetical in in vocalizing it, but it's, it's very real in answering. If you had to write in one sentence how your life is counting or making a difference, what would you say? If you think about home, if you think about work, if you think about your neighborhood, You think about the people who you spend an awful lot of time with day in and day out, week to week, the question I want to pose to you is, are you making a difference? Does your life count? And if you were to write an answer to this question, would you be able to write something quickly? Or would you have to think about it? Or make something up? Or would you start writing? What's your purpose? The fact is, we all affect people around us. In one way or another, you, your life, makes some kind of a difference in other people's life. Could be good, could be bad, could be life giving, could be life taking. Your coworkers, your friends, And because of that, we ought to very carefully consider the life that we lead, the influences that we take on. Our lifestyles, the words, the postings, our attitudes communicate something to the world around us. And our lives as followers of Jesus ought to provide life to those who are looking for Jesus, even if they don't know it. The, the way that we live our lives ought to provide credibility to God. His message, his message of love, his message of forgiveness, his message of mercy, his messages of new starts and, and changing one's hearts. That should be the message which can make an eternal difference in people's lives. Not just giving them a good day, not just making them feel good, but literally changing the eternal trajectory of a person's life. You, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, you students, you, as you live your life, can make a difference in someone's life. Just on how you live. Continually, I want to put our cards on the table. We have a purpose here at Rock Creek Church. We say it often that we want to take the next step. Uh, The the full length is we want to help every person who walks through these doors. We want to equip you to take the next step and become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's our mission statement. That's our goal. That's what we've been tasked to do as a church. What does that mean? I want to be really clear. We hope you find God. We want you to know this God that we speak of. When Heather and Alex and others lead us in worship and and we sing about this God, we want you to know Him. Not know of Him. The Bible says demons know of Him and they believe in Him. We want you to know Him in an intimate relationship. And when you know Him in that intimate relationship, we want you to experience freedom freedom from all those things that hold you down, the chains. Those things that you struggle with year in and year out. And when you find that freedom, we want you to discover your purpose. Why are you on this planet? Why were you born? I can promise you it wasn't just to fill up some airspace, it wasn't just to go to work and do laundry and do groceries. You have a purpose. It's not raising your kids. It's not just being a good husband or a good wife. It's not having a good family. What is your purpose? Why are you on this planet? Because every single one of us have a reason. God doesn't do anything just by circumstance. There's a purpose in everything he does. And then finally, when you develop that purpose... We want you to make a difference. How is this world pulled closer to God because of you? How is this world made better? Not better in the sense of uh, good, what culture suggests, but better in the sense of what God is doing because you breathe. That's what the gospel does. You say, well, I'm not sure in my many circles of life, I'm not sure if I make any kind of a difference. I don't know if I count, and I don't even really know where to start. I kind of feel alone in this. Well, thankfully, the Bible gives us some instructions to this. Psalm chapter 32, starting at verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. You don't have to try and figure this out on your own. You don't have to go home today, sit at your kitchen table, and rub your temples and go, i got to figure out why I was born. You don't have to do that. That would be a miserable exercise. But the Bible says, God will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. With the Father's eye upon you. I will instruct you and I will teach you in the ways that you should go. In what what way is your life making a difference? Because, friends, you carry the power of the gospel. We just read that in 2 Corinthians with the New Covenant. We are are bearers of this story, of God's story. We carry it with us everywhere we go. It's like your cell phone. You're never without it. But you can't lose it. How many of you guys have lost your cell phone in the last few months? Even for like an hour? It's the worst feeling in the world. Like, oh my gosh. It's like you want to call the police because your whole world is on that phone. It's like you lose your kid, you're like, ah, oh, they'll turn up. You lose your phone, you lose your phone, it's like the world is coming to an end. But you can't lose the Spirit of God. We have a promise that, that God will instruct us in every way that we should live. And since each of us has been uniquely created, God has a very unique call on your life. Now, that can change over time. It can change with seasons. It can change with chapters of your life. But you have a call. You have a purpose. And the church gets stronger when everybody is leaning into God to find out what that purpose is. Because the church then begins to function as the church. Just because some are, are awarded a, a, a more of a, an exterior way of, of, of applying and using the gospel does not in any way minimize your role in that. I say this often and it's not humble pie. There's nothing special about me. The more you get to know me, you'll know that. I will hurt you. I will do things that will reveal very strongly that I'm human. I love Jesus Christ with all of my heart. My role that I have come to find is is I am to lead God's people to him and proclaim his word. That's why I'm on this planet. I can do a lot of things. I don't want to be a plumber. I I don't want to be someone who holds the slow sign at the construction project when it's hot. I could do a lot of things, but I know in my heart my calling, my purpose for why I'm on this planet is to preach this book to the masses and then to help whoever I'm around to grow closer in their relationship with Him. That's my call. Sometimes I don't like it, I don't like my purpose on this planet. Sometimes I'd still rather be a cop. It's less dangerous. (laughs) But I know my purpose is here. What's your purpose? God says, I will instruct you in the ways that you should go with my story. I'm going to instruct you where you should go with my story and what you should do with it. When you're lonely and afraid, I'm going to counsel you. When you don't know what to say, I'm going to give you the words. When you're struggling with a decision, I'm going to give you wisdom. Why? Because that's what I do. this This is what God does. And we're never done. The Lord's promise implies that he's personally advising each and one of us. You ever go somewhere, you're your tax person, a school counselor or whatever, and you're, a, you're just a number to them? They don't even know your name. Just step up to the desk, I'll, like the DMV. The DMV cares nothing about you. You have a number, they call it, they tell you what desk to go to, they handle it, you pay them, you walk away, end of, end of transaction. That's not God. And sometimes we can view that as God. I, I have a number, I walk up, I do my transaction, I walk away. God is your personal advisor. And not just your personal advisor, He's your personal advocate, He's your bodyguard, He's your counselor. He provides love in your heart that you're searching for. He provides community. His eye is upon us. And he will show us how to respond according to the principles in his word. His word goes on to say this in uh, chapter, what are we on? Psalm 32, now go to verse 9 through 11. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include a bit and a bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all of you who are upright in heart. Now listen to this. This is really important. When we trust in God, when you give your life to God, in that moment when you accept him as Lord and Savior of your life, and then in that moment when life hits and you trust God, you are surrounded by God's loving kindness. That's what the Bible says. In that moment, when you hit that crisis in your living room and in your family room, or you get a diagnosis like beautiful Naya, in that moment, when you say, I trust in God, the Bible says you are surrounded by his loving kindness. But if we're living in sin or doubt, Or we're far from him, we're gonna have a hard time perceiving his presence. It's like if you've ever played hide and go seek at night, some of you can remember doing that as a kid. Do it as an adult, it's way harder. You don't fit in as many spots. but you can literally be standing next to someone, you don't even know they're there, and then you bump into them. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. And God's loving kindness surrounds you, friends, surrounds you as you put your trust in him. But if we're living in sin or distance from him or allowing life just to happen, we can't see it. And then we utter the question, where is God? He's right next to you. And instead of seeing all of his blessings, we feel surrounded by things that are not his loving kindness. We sense ourselves being surrounded by troubles and frustration and fear and suffering and depression and anxiety and heartache. And sometimes we just need to open our eyes, look around. And give the Lord credit for being present. For being the great provider. For being the great protector. For giving us the greatest gift ever, and that's his story. That we get to walk around with that story, that privilege, The determining factor for this, it's not education, it's not money, it's not prestige, it's not roles, it's nothing that we tend to uh, categorize for those who can carry such an incredible gift. It's the Lord alone. He is the one that works to make our lives have purpose. But notice that our lives only count They only matter based on his purpose. The people that live around us are watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. They know you're a follower of Jesus or or at least go to church. And they're watching Every day. Now, sometimes we can take that the complete opposite and become legalistic. And sometimes we can say, well, I'm a sinner, so they should just know how really I'm a sinner. Okay, well, neither are good. There's a a happy medium in there somewhere. They're forming opinions about you. Whether you like it or not, you're influencing the people around you. Every day how you handle conflict, how you handle frustration, uh, how you handle people on the road, how you handle coworkers that drive you nuts. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just telling you what it is. People are watching you. You say, well, I don't want to be watched. Sorry. You can't do that. And we're going to get to exactly why that is, that you can't make that decision. It's why the Bible describes us as followers of Jesus, our ambassadors. You're a representation, you're a mouthpiece. You bring the full weight of who you are representing to those people. An ambassador can't go to another country and say, I represent the United States of America, but for the next hour, time out, I'm going to do whatever I want. An ambassador is not allowed that, you're not given that authority. It's to represent, to bring with them the priorities and the passions of the person who sent them. In Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. If you've been around the church long enough, you have at least heard of this verse. It might be new to some of you, and that's incredible. Here's what it says. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden In other words, you don't have a choice in this. The light's on. Nor does anyone light up a lamp and then put it under a basket. But it gets put on the lampstand. And it gives light to all of those who are in the house. We are reflectors of God. Sometimes we do it really well, sometimes we do it really bad. But we are, we are a reflector of the God of all creation. And therefore, our aim should be to reflect him as accurately as possible. So that we're in good favor with God? No, you're in good favor with God as soon as he dies on the cross and you give your life to him. We act as a reflector because we're in appreciation and love back to him. And then we take our responsibility, uh, what we have been tasked with, and we take it very seriously so that those who observe us will be drawn to our hope, and that is Jesus Christ. And that brings up a very strong statement that being the light of the world is not a choice we make. Being the light of God isn't something you can choose to do or choose not to. You are. You are the light of the world. It's it's a fact based on our relationship with Jesus Christ and and we are that light because Jesus Christ is living and growing within us and therefore we light up the world. It's just like what 2 Corinthians talked about with Moses. It's different though. He personally interacted with God and therefore he had a glow. There was something about him because he interacted with God. We have a new covenant. We are Our bodies are, are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we go out into this world, our lives ought to, to reflect the God who's living and growing and building that relationship within us. Hard? Certainly. Does that mean you do some things and don't do other things? Absolutely. Fair? I see nowhere in Scripture that it talks about it being fair. But it's God. It's his story. From the beginning of time, deeply embedded in you. That is what makes you special. That's what makes you what the Bible describes as a son and daughter of royalty. To bring life change. At times I wish it was a different way. There are times where we don't want to be walking billboards of Jesus. It's what causes some people, and this might be you, to take off a church sticker or a Jesus sticker from your car because you're like, that is way too much accountability. I want to drive however I want. (laughs) Or you can be like Alex and still have all those and still drive however you want. (laughs) Alex isn't here, so I can... Throw that punch. I've had people in my life, they would not say these words, but their actions show accordingly, hide the fact that they are Christians because people will watch. More honesty, I find myself at times, uh, if I'm out in public and I end up having a conversation with strangers. And I'm hoping beyond belief they don't ask me what I do. Please don't talk career. (laughs) Because then i got to say I'm a pastor. And then I have to unpack all the stuff that comes with that. All the bad pastors, all the judgment, all of the, you know, you don't you're probably gluten free because you're a pastor, you know, like all, all the like expectations, like you're super, you're green, you go green, you, you love trees, you know, just all the stuff that comes with being a pastor, but this is how it is. He goes on, let your light shine before men in such a way that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Those who watch us should recognize that we are different, not because we're good in and of ourselves, not because you're a great person, not because you wear Old Spice and you smell really good and and you clean up really well, and they're like, man, you're just such a good person. No, they see our good works, God working through us, and they recognize it. This is good news for us personally. This gives me so much hope because I can go into the world and it's not dependent on me. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have all the answers. I just have to be present with the story that I carry. It's almost like if I had duct tape. And, I, and that would be super weird, so do not do that. But if I could duct tape this Bible, I'm bringing this story wherever I go. And that's why evangelism is a whole lot easier than we make it out to be. We think we have to be a mixture between Chris Hassel and Dan Montanari, just an apologetics debater that knows all the answers. You know what you need? Just bring this story. You have the power in you, kids. Kids. You have the power that is way stronger than that which is in this world. You have this. There's a but. There's always a but. If we as followers of Jesus Christ tolerate sin in our lives, our light grows very dim and we eventually... And often without intention, send the world a warped message regarding God. You're a billboard. If we start letting our guard down, you're still a billboard. This is why so many outside of the church will describe the church as what? Yeah, but- And I have to say, friends, they're often not wrong. That light begins to grow dim, and and we don't realize it, and we're sending a message. You see, he is holy, and as his representatives, we should be reflecting his righteousness, his grace, his mercy, his goodness, and quick to tell other people about that gospel message that dwells within us, quick to share the hope that can be found in Jesus. I want to ask you a question. And I really want you to answer this in your heart of hearts. Do you belong to Christ? Do you belong to Christ? Or do you just merely believe in the Christ? And this is important because all those who belong to Christ believe in God's word and are indwelt by his spirit. We are part of the light. Despite our struggles, despite our sin, despite our our occasional doubting, we believe and belong to Christ. Christ. We quickly confess, we repent, and we keep going, shining his light in a dark world that points others to the Savior. Being the light of the world is not an option for a Christ follower. We're not saved just to have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're saved then to be put to work, to have a task. And it's our responsibility to become the person God desires us to be, knowing that he will empower us through his spirit to accomplish whatever he wants for us. So I beg the question again, the two most important days, the day that you were born and the day that you realize why you were born. Do you know why you were born? If you don't, you have the rest of the summer, the rest of the fall, the next several years, however long it takes to pursue leaning into God and going, why am I here? This is our focus. This is why we're a church. This is why Heather and the team lead us in Beautiful music that we can cry out and, and sing and struggle through the words. We started with Second Corinthians chapter three, talking about the old ways and how God has been faithful to us. And how when when one turns to the Lord that veil is lifted. Well, in chapter 4, if you have your Bible still open, is one of the greatest locker room speeches by a coach ever. I love good motivational speeches. Even when coaches babble and and you don't even have a clue what they're talking about, but somehow it fires you up to go, like, hit somebody. Listen to chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians as if Paul himself is speaking directly to you. Speaking directly to us as a church. Listen to the words of Paul. It is beautiful. Uh, again, on the heels of this old way, this veil that that no longer covers our face, that that veil has been lifted, that we walk with the gospel in our everyday life, that as soon as we leave here today, you're gonna get in your car, you're gonna take with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says. Says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, this new covenant, we never give up. You can picture Paul standing on a little, little uh, milk box, waving his hands. We never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest, they know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Your friends, your family members, your coworkers, they don't not believe because they're bad people. They have been blinded. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about God's glory of Christ who is in the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake for God who said let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ and it gets better we now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay's clay jars containing this great treasure this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles. Some of you can relate to that. Uh, But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. Some of you, you have been knocked down, or you have family members that are being knocked down. But we are not destroyed through suffering our bodies continue to share in the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be seen in our bodies yes we live under constant danger of death because we serve jesus so that the life of jesus will be evident in our dying bodies so we live in the face of death but this has resulted in eternal life for you verse 13 but we continue to preach but because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. Some of you need to hear that word this morning. You believe in God, so you will speak tomorrow. You believe in God, so you will speak today. You believe in God, so you will speak We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise with us Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. This is happening in the church all around the world. This prophetic word, this is happening in our midst. That is why we never give up verse 16. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. That's that's why we come to church. That's why we gather with other believers so that our spirits can be renewed every day. Then he finishes his locker room speech and he says, for our present troubles, they're small. They don't feel small but they're small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever, verse 18. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever and ever and ever and ever It says we fix our gaze. That is the exact phrasing of Stephen as he has preached the good news and as the the Pharisees have their rocks ready to stone him to death and it says he fixed his attention on God. Not on the things that he could see these rocks cocked and ready to pelt him and kill him but he fixed his attention on the God he could not see but he knew was standing right there beside him in the dark. This is the gospel for you. This is what makes a difference for you wherever you go, wherever you are. Praise God for that. And we get to waltz right up to the altar that used to take forever and it was gruesome and it was bloody and it was hot. And we get to walk up to the altar without any of that, in air condition, in song, and waltz right up to the Holy of Holies because we carry with us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray in thanksgiving for that, and then let's continue to worship. So God, you've given us the instruction, let your light shine before men and women in such a way that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And right now, what we're about to do is is we're about to sing. We're about to battle. We're, We're about to proclaim truth. We're about to stand in your holy presence by the power of your spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and is now active and at work in our lives. Why you still love us is beyond my wildest imagination, God. For every single one of us in these chairs and for those who are watching or listening online, we have given you every reason to turn your back. We have given you every reason to forsake us. We have given you every reason to bring down destruction and punishment and judgment and yet you love. And so in response to that, we bring our praise and we bring our lives about to go into this world. So come, empower us to give back to you. It's our prayer. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.